Are you guys ready up there? Hi, and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. I'm Fiona Kinsella. I'm a Women in Film and Television board member, and I'm also a producer at Jumper Productions and Tile Media. Is the future of film on the island of Ireland decentralised? On Thursday, 1st of December, Women in Film and Television Ireland, in partnership with Wexford Screenwriters Academy and with the support of BAI, presented Producing Beyond the Pale. This lively industry discussion covering all aspects of filmmaking outside of Dublin took place in the National Opera House Wexford. First of all, uh, just to introduce myself, um, I'm a Wexford woman, um, I'm a producer, I'm a board member of Women in Film and Television Ireland and I'm also, I also work with Laura and Paul on the Wexford Screenwriting Academy. So my main motivation are behind the panel tonight was um, in March 2020, I accidentally moved back home to Wexford. And um, it was really a game changer for me. Um, it allowed me the headspace and the support to concentrate on working on longer form content. And since moving back to Wexford, um, I've gotten development funding from Screen Ireland for feature projects. I was made head of production for Tile Media, and through them, I'm working on a TV series. Uh, we have a TV series in development for ZDF, um, and I also I'm producing my first TV series, which will go on air next year on TG Cahar, and I've also line produced two features and one TV pilot. So it's just been an amazing. <laughs> So it's just been an amazing experience and that just got me to thinking that it would be really good to do a panel around um, people, not just like me who've just moved back or, uh, to the regions, but also people who've been working in the regions for years. So I, I put this panel together and I'm really delighted with it because I think we've got a really wide range of speakers. So with that, I'm just going to introduce them all. <laughs> So first of all, um, and I have to read this out, uh, I'm going to introduce Anne Mulrooney, who's the studio manager of, wait for this, five-time Academy Award, Golden Globe, BAFTA, and Emmy-nominated animation studio, Cartoon Saloon, based in Kilkenny. And I think uh, congratulations are in order. You just picked up two BAFTAs this week. I know for a film that we thought had done its run of winning film of winning awards. Yeah, Wolf Walkers just uh, received another. That's absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Um, secondly, we've got Roisin Kion, who's the CEO and creative director of the Brill Building, which is Ireland's most awarded awarded new creative agency, and she's working out of Clare. Um, then we have, joining us over Zoom, um, Ivan Dunleavy, uh, who is CEO of Pinewood Studios and the co-founder of the highly anticipated Tara Studios in North Wexford. And, Good evening. Um, Thank you, everyone. Thanks. And uh, sec uh, 
we've got uh, Robert Higgins, who's an award-winning writer and director based in Longford. And his debut feature actually features one of the actors taking part in the table read tonight, uh, Gary Lydon. <laughs> and finally, Emmy award-winning producer and director Marissa O'Reilly, who's also a fellow board member of Women in Film and Television. Hi guys, th thanks so much again for taking part in this talk. So I thought what, how we'd start off is maybe we would go around to everyone and get themselves to introduce themselves and talk a bit about your background and also your companies. Uh, so I'll start with Anne. Ah. <laughs> um, my name is Anne. I'm currently the studio manager of Cartoon Saloon in Kilkenny. Um, but I started... Um, by training and working as an artist initially, and then I moved into uh, curating exhibitions and programs, and from that I moved into directing cultural institutions. And then about three years ago, just before lockdown, actually, I made a decision to um, return back here beyond the pale and move back to Kilkenny and took up my current role. And can you talk a little bit about Cartoon Saloon and uh, just the, the story of Cartoon Saloon and how it came to be set up in Kilkenny? Sure, the, the uh, origins of it really um, were in um, a youth organisation called Young Irish Filmmakers. And to me, like years before I ever thought of working in Cartoon Saloon, I used to use this as an example of the value of creative funding. Um, Tom uh, Ross Stewart, who was his co-director on Wolf Walkers, and a number of other uh, people who became cartoon salooners at, at different times, uh, all went to Young Irish Filmmakers and, and learned about filmmaking as teenagers. It was an after-school activity. And then Tom, Paul and Nora met each other in Ballyfermot, um, and they decided that they would set up together. And because they had that link with Young Irish Filmmakers, um, and, the, and the director there, Mike, who was incredibly supportive, they offered them a space, a physical space, when they first set up, and that's the reason that they ended up back in Kilkenny. I, I think that's just fantastic, and it just, just goes to show that how kind of looking after young uh, filmmakers at grassroots level is so important to establishing an industry, whether it's national or regional. Yeah, and the ripple effects from that spread out so wide throughout Kilkenny. You know, it's, it's had a, a really rich part to play in, in Kilkenny's cultural life, um, from theatre groups to media companies, um, to people who are interested in learning about animation and who, who then came to work for Cartoon Saloon. So um, it it's, it's, was quite a beautiful relationship, and we still have a very strong relationship with young Irish filmmakers who are still up and running in Kilkenny, which is great. It's actually, I think we were, when we were talking last week as well, the amount of live action filmmakers that have come up through young Irish filmmakers as well, who are doing really well, like Fergal Costello, John Morton. Um, it's, it's amazing. They're yeah. doing fantastic work. And they all, in their time, played a huge part in, in Kilkenny's cultural life as well. There was an amazing uh, theatre company called Devious Theatre that John Morton would have started off in. Um, and Paul Young from Cartoon Saloon was a, a regular... Um, treading the boards as an actor as well. I would have loved to have seen that. Brilliant. <laughs> um, I'll just move on to Roisin. Can you talk a bit about yourself and, and how 
the Brill Building came <coughs> about and your background. Thanks. Um, so um, I guess my career is in commercial advertising. So I was a commercial, I'm a copywriter, I'm a writer um, in advertising for 15, 20 years. And um, I actually had got to a certain stage within the established advertising um, industry. So I was head of creative at one of the biggest agency at the time. And then through a sequence of events, I was talking to Marissa earlier about emigrating. I emigrated from Dublin <laughs> to East Clare. Um, and I do think that there's not just one factor that makes you move. It can be, it can be several. And um, basically between the jigs and the reels, I moved out of Dublin without a plan, without a job. And I really thought I was leaving advertising when I m moved out of Dublin. The idea that you could do national advertising from anywhere other than um, Dublin just didn't seem feasible at that time. Sounds crazy now, you know, certainly not how it operates in other countries. Um, and actually, I kind of kicked my heels for about six months. I thought I would never take another advertising brief again. I was kind of happy about it. And I got into then basically a couple of clients found me, regional clients, actually Cork. The, the two clients that we made our name with were, were in Cork. I was traveling up and down from East Clare to, to service them, again, before COVID and before the cloud. And... Because, so I, I've set up the agency differently from established advertising agencies because I really was quite frustrated when I was in that system that the creatives, the problem solvers, are not around the table with the people who have the problem to be solved, which is something that has sort of evolved in a unique way in advertising where you don't see it in design industries. You're there, are architects, you know, they have that prestige and they're there to solve the problem. So I could start again and I could start really lean. So the agency is very much about putting creatives and the client around a problem, which is what happens in the rest of the world um, and lots of other industries. Uh, um, so we're fully remote. We don't have an office. We're totally based in the cloud. At some point, we hope to have a content studio in the next couple of years, but we're kind of growing at the, at the scale that we want. That's brilliant. And um, I'm just going to ask you really quickly about the two uh, projects that kind of, that you're, they're essentially your flagship projects. Do you want to talk a little bit about those and the awards that they've picked up? Well, the, the shop that nearly wasn't there. Yeah. So, um, you were just speaking about uh, Wolf Walker, obviously, and whenever you have a great project, how it just keeps delivering for you. We were really lucky because, well, maybe a function of luck and maybe a function of how we were actually doing practice and advertising in the purest way possible, which was just creatives and crew work, talent, really getting an assemblage of talent around the problem. So we created a piece of work for a very small Cork cancer charity. They're called Breakthrough Cancer Research and they had no national profile, but they're doing amazing work. They're doing world-beating work, basically finding new cures for cancer. So the piece of work that we made for them was to overcome the barrier to donations, which was that we had done a piece of research, which was that people really needed a success story in order to part with their money. They didn't want the a sentimental story. And we also wanted to create something that would engage people beyond just a, a typical ad. I don't make those. Um, so what we did was we created the first, um, the first shop 100% stocked and staffed by cancer survivors because we thought that the best um, proof that cancer research works is actually the thing that the person who's here has made. So we had lots of creatives in that, actually. And Stephen Bradley, um, the film director, was one of the creatives whose work we were able to showcase. He just released his book at that time. Um, and yeah, we were able to, to create a great story. I have to say, my ambition at the time was to create a film worth an entire crew of cancer survivors. And I haven't done that yet, but I will, I will get there. As it happened, the crew was a crew of one. My very good friend, the DOP, Ross O'Callaghan, and he did everything for me at that time. And yeah, we just got a, a team of friends around it.
And and that's gone uh, on to win awards all over the world for you. Yeah, yeah, we've. Look, in advertising, in, av in the advertising industry, we're very small, right? So I did, the reason that I'm, I think I'm sitting on this panel is because I had to start learning how to produce because I, we produced everything in-house because we weren't getting the budgets to do anything bigger. Um, so that piece of work has won all the national awards. It's won effectiveness awards against the big agencies who have, you know, millions and big teams at their disposal. And it's really... I mean, everyone in this room has done it. Like, filmmaking is always about that. You just get your mates to do it and you enjoy doing it and you find out how to make it happen. And just this week, it won two big European awards, which is huge for us. It gives us a great profile. It's a lovely story for us because I think even as we grow, we'll have to make sure that we keep true to the, the ethos of what that actually was because we really caught a bit of lightning in a jar at the time. So. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm just going to move on to Ivan now. Um, Ivan, could you talk a little bit about your background and, um, yeah, just your background, please? Sure. Um, well, uh, a very, very long time ago, I trained to be an accountant, but I started my life in the music business um, for a record label and moved from there to film distribution and from there to video publishing and uh, for a while ran uh, what was the UK's largest video uh, publishing business um, called Video Collection. Um, and we, we uh, almost 20, well, nearly 25 years ago, uh, we, we picked up the rights for a, a very small little introduction act to Eurovision called Riverdance. <laughs> um, and that went on, as everyone I'm sure knows, to be enormously successful globally. Uh, from there, I, I took a change in direction and with uh, the aid of a lot of venture capital money, um, went on to buy Pinewood Studios in the UK uh, and then Shepparton Studios and then studios in Atlanta, Georgia, in Malaysia, uh, in Toronto, in Canada. And uh, we, uh, with the team, um, built what has become a great brand in the film studio business. And uh, that's gone on to great success since I left the business a year or two ago. Uh, Tyler Studios um, in North Wexford, and we're tremendously excited to uh, now be in a position to get that development move development moving. Um, I'd like to say a, a, a huge thank you to the Wexford community, to the county council, to uh, our neighbours up in Kalaniran and to the uh, the folk that have expressed such enormous interest in the studio throughout the region. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring the kind of infrastructure that is uh, part of the puzzle in uh, attracting international productions, but also supporting indigenous productions in film and television in Ireland. That's great. And could you maybe talk a bit about your decision to open the studios in North Wexford? Uh, well, on the maternal side of my family, we're, 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 we're Wexford uh, folk um, from Bano Bay. Um, but uh, beyond the emotional, uh, there is some very hard business logic uh, to, to choosing Ireland and North Wexford. Uh, we think the business case is incredibly strong. 
um, that Ireland enjoys a position uh, as only, the only English-speaking country in the EU these days um, that uh, has great uh, relationship with the UK market and that has an incredible creative and craft skill base um, but is crying out for additional infrastructure to really um, fuel the growth uh, that is happening in the global market. And, you know, what, one, of, one of the things you may hear me say throughout this evening is this is a global market. It's about telling stories that appeal to global audiences. That's, that's absolutely so true. I think it's, it, what is the, the word, global uh, oh. stories? Um, um, if you find a story that has local resonance, it will appeal to audiences around the world, usually, if there's a truth and honesty, I think, to the heart of it. Absolutely. And also, I, I missed it there, but I would be really remiss as a Wexford foreman if I didn't point out the connection to Riverdance. The original show was directed by Declan Lowney, he's a fellow Wexfordian. <laughs> I would be killed if I didn't say that, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just going to move on to Robert now. So do you want to just talk a little bit about yourself and, and uh, your company, Harp Media and Longford? Yeah, of course. So uh, my company's called Harp Media. Uh, we started it in 2018. My background up to that point, I'd been kind of working in public relations and marketing. And my business partner, Paddy, he'd been in finance, but we kind of had always wanted to do film and we were kind of messing around at home, learning the nuts and bolts, mostly failing badly. But we were kind of starting to figure out it a bit better. And we were starting to understand the idea of scaling up, getting people involved other than ourselves. And um, so we decided yeah, it was probably time to kind of start a company from there. So from there, we kind of just started making short films. And we kind of had some pretty okay success with our first couple of films. They did kind of good festival runs. At the same time, we kind of used that to leverage into doing corporate work, training um, all around Longford and really just making the most of the supports that were there in Longford that might not be there everywhere else, especially Dublin and like places that are very dense with other film companies. So from there, it kind of came to a point where we were eager to make our first feature. So we kind of started raising funny, uh, money locally and we kind of got great support from different places like Creative Ireland, Longford Arts Office, and that kind of got us over the hill to get the budget together for our first feature. Um, which is called Lakelands, and as Fiona said, Gary, who's here, is a, a very prominent role in that. Uh, we also had great actors like uh, Aina Hardwick and Danielle Galligan, and they, uh, they all came down to Longford for a couple of weeks last year, and we kind of managed to pull it together on a low budget, but um, that uh, premiered at Galway uh, last year, where we were kind of lucky enough to pick up a couple of awards, and it's kind of on the festival circuit now, and it'll be released early next year. In, by wildcard distribution. So that's kind of, um, it was all shot and uh, set in Longford and you know there's huge row in from the local community. It definitely wouldn't have been possible uh, without them, especially on the budget we were shooting on. Um, so yeah, it's just like, it was so beneficial to have that local buy-in and that local support. Definitely couldn't have been done elsewhere, I don't think. That's brilliant. And I think I'm going to come back a little later after I've spoken to Marissa just about local support and the importance of local networks 
Um, so Marissa, I'm just going to move on to you now. And do you want to talk a bit about your background and what brought you here? <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to think of um, how to tell that story, uh, and it probably starts mostly with um, with meeting my husband, Niall McKay, and uh, we met in Berkeley, California, uh, and I, I was trained as a documentary filmmaker, a journalist, um, and and we met there, and we started to date and make a movie together, which I wouldn't recommend doing. That it, it was it was a lot of pressure for us. No, it was it was it was fantastic actually, um, and um, yeah, a few months later we started to make uh, the bass player song for Dad, a personal documentary uh, that was shown on RTE. Uh, and it went from there. We, we started a production company, Media Factory, moved to from Berkeley, California, to New York City. And we were in New York City until three years ago when we moved to Ireland. Um, to, so we were living in Brooklyn, New York, and then we moved to Shalala, County Wicklow. <laughs> Very similar. <laughs> and um, yeah, and now we live in Wicklow Town. We just moved last year to Wicklow Town. The beast smoke. <laughs> Um, so I, th I wanted to bring it back now to you. Oh, by the way, if anyone has any questions, um, you can put them in the chat on YouTube and we will be passing a mic around at the end to the audience as well. So, um, so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit to Roisin about the support that you got from the local county council and the enterprise office in Clare, and then I'll come back. Yes, yeah, so actually... I didn't get any monetary support or anything like that, but I still find it an invaluable resource. I definitely recommend anyone to... And I think the creative disciplines don't necessarily go to the local enterprise office maybe as, as quickly. Um, and there's so many programmes supporting rural entrepreneurship in any, um, in any form at all. I know that uh, Rob and I were just speaking about it earlier as well. The initial programme that I got on to was Acorns, now, it's designed for female women, um, um, rural entrepreneurs. Um, but it's a very interesting... Pro like, that was my... Fr basically, I, I guess about a year ago, I rang the local enterprise office and I said, this is going well, I better take it seriously. What should I do? And they um, put me in touch with Acorns. They said, look, that's your entry level, kind of. That's put, put some manners on your business. And um, how that... A lot of the structures the structures that are there, the programmes are about panels. So they put you in panels of your peers. So there was six of us, Gronya Mullins, who runs Graw Chocolates, was there. Kim, who has misunderstood heron, was in my... Like, amazing people doing great things. And what I learned from them was totally cross-discipline because you're basically the basics are the same. Um, and that was, that was ACORN. So the local enterprise office encouraged me to do that. And once you're in their sphere, you see all of the other things that are available. For example, I'm going for going for growth now. You know, in my business, that would, that would be, you know, an experience of something else. So, yeah, that, I definitely reach out to them. You know, like a lot of these structures were originally set up for, you know, farmers' wives making jam. Back in the 70s, they were like, like that is actually what so many of these programmes were initially developed for, but they're reaching way beyond that now, yeah. I think that's important, those kind of networks, I think, for production companies and artists in general, because it can be very lonely, because generally we're working on our own. Um, Marissa, how have you found kind of getting a network around you when you were in Shalala? Well, 
we, we did a great thing. We made a short film in, in Chilela, and it filmed in, um, in Wexford and Waterford as well. So it was, a, it was an opportunity for me in particular to go to these places and see if we could, uh, we had permission from the local hardware store, from the cafe, uh, the farm store uh, in, in Tinahili. Uh, uh, we went to, uh, to the ferry in, in Waterford and, and got permission to film there. It was kind of fantastic. It was open arms. Everybody. It, was uh, curious and inviting and kind about us filming. And so it was a great introduction for me because that was within the first few months of, of moving here, that's what we were doing. So it was kind of up and running, us producing um, uh, outside uh, uh, in Ireland. And it was a really good experience. Every local village in Ireland is crying out for a film, though, don't they? Like, everyone wants to be Bally Cassange. They're like, this is the one, lads. Like, <laughs> <laughs> didn't, they didn't Mary Jones write the film or the, the play about it? Yeah. <laughs> and we had somebody who was in Bally Cassange in our short film, Deirdre. <laughs> Anyone who's ever set up a camera outside the whole thing, he's making a film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, now I'm off track. Um, so, um, I guess... Film networks are extremely important, not just of creatives, but of, of family and support and, and the local community. Um, and I know the uh, Cartoon Saloon, it, like, they have some amazing initiatives in Kilkenny that you kind of oversee. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Um, Cartoon Saloon, I suppose it's a, a little bit different in that it's been going an awful lot longer. There, there must be 25 years uh, at this point, and it's, it's gotten much bigger as time has gone on as well. So it kind of varies between 180, 250, depending on um, on, on how many productions we're doing. Um, and because I guess we feel that Kilkenny has been very good to Cartoon Saloon, so um, it behoves us to be really good to Kilkenny uh, as much as we can. So we work in partnership with the local authorities quite a lot on different initiatives. Um, like the Kilkenny Cat Trail, which, which um, was a local tourism initiative. We used Panger Bawn, which was a, a cat character from The Secret of Kells, um, and various different artists decorated these giant fiberglass Panger Bawns. We created a trail uh, with a mapping, and, and that was to kind of encourage people uh, back to Kilkenny after lockdown, etc. But um, we also have Kilkenny Animated, which is a, a festival that we set up about five years ago that's starting to kind of find its feet now. It's quite small, um, but it feels like a really great opportunity for us to be able to feed into the, the very rich culture that already exists in Kilkenny. And it's a chance for us to maybe give members of our crew opportunities to try out delivering workshops or giving talks. Um, and also a, a chance to bring people that maybe we'd like to really hear speak um, or see their work um, in Kilkenny. But I, I guess, you know, we, we do those things for different reasons, partly because uh, there is an element where we, we just would like to help make the world a better place. There is an element where we really like to work in partnership with the local authorities, for example. But we also know that the, the more that we can... Um, improve the life in Kilkenny, make it a, a more vibrant, more uh, attractive place to live, then also the, the more enjoyable it is for our crew who are there and the more likely it is that people will want to, to move there to work and, and to settle there, which is hugely important for us. 
It's fantastic. Mm. Um, I, I'm going to go back to Ivan now. Um, I know that Indigenous filmmaking is something that's really important to you, and I just wanted maybe for you to talk a bit about that in, in the frame of Tara Studios and how you see that playing out um, in the future. Uh, sure. Well, the, the short answer to that is, yes, it is important, and uh, it, it, it has an equally valuable place in the culture of filmmaking, but also the economy of filmmaking. Um, you know, it, it isn't always all about the blockbuster production, whether it's film or television, because from a studio point of view, uh, the, the, the harsh economics are you need to be as full uh, of, of production as you possibly can be. And, um, you know, if, if, if like Tara, you have seven stages and six of them are busy on a, on a big picture, what do you do with the last one? Um, and of course, what you want to do and it, it, it is appeal to smaller productions that can come in, benefit from the uh, economy of scale, benefit from the community, the campus of, of skills that are established at the studio. And um, from the studio's point of view, yes, it's good business, but it is also really exciting to see uh, newer, younger talent coming through the system because they are going to be the, the producers, the directors, the, the DOPs of tomorrow. That's so true. And I, I kind of, I think, how important was the regional uplift to, to your decision to, to locate Tara Studios in North Wexford, just out of curiosity? Uh, well, my partner in Tara Studios is John Gleeson. Uh, he, he's the head of media at Safri Champness, and he, he, he's, a, he's uh, working with me on Tara Studios. John and NBC Universal, uh, you know, together they were one of the architects of the regional uplift. Um, so uh, it's a subject that's very close to our hearts. Um, it is a, you know, it is not an entitlement. It is something that the industry has to prove is is worthwhile getting from uh, from national government. Um, it, 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 it is, we feel, it can prove to be beneficial both at a, a regional level but also at a national level. But the the way to um, win those arguments is on an evidence-based um, basis. Um, and uh, if we can do that, given the, you know, particularly these days, there are enormous demands on the public purse. Given that, uh, we think there is a very good case uh, for the regional uplift and for continuing uh, with it uh, beyond the existing um, sort of tapering sunset clause. Yeah, I think one of the, the things about shooting or filming outside of Dublin um, is, is probably tr trying to, to bring crew in. And I think one of the things that Tower Studios has is probably within that 50 kilometer radius, there is a lot of really established crew, um, but also even having said that, it's really important to bring kind of training in. Um, and I was 
wondering, is that something that, is there kind of any kind of initiatives that you think might come out of Tower Studios regarding that, or will that come in from the productions? Uh, no, I think the studio has a role in that, um, very definitely. Um, our choice of location is deliberate. Um, yes, we are in North Wexford, but um, even adhering to the speed limit, we're only 55 minutes from Dublin Airport. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, that, that, that's clearly been on our minds. Um, and having, you know, the scale that we envisage Tara Studios will have uh, available to the crew base that is on that East Coast corridor is, is an important factor for us. Um, in terms of training, um, that's absolutely uh, a key objective. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't want to jump the gun, but I, I would suggest it's a watch this space. Um, we're working already with uh, a couple of the training uh, institutions to um, make Tara a, a, an open lot. Uh, and that's a philosophy that we have both in terms of training but also in terms of um, commercial availability. Um, that, uh, you know, the industry at large should be able to benefit from access to the studio facilities, from access to the community that we hope to establish now. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to go to, to Robert. Um, uh, so when you went about shooting your first feature in Longford, how did you find crewing up for it? Yeah, um, it was actually not too bad at all. Um, we were kind of in a we're kind of lucky spot in Longford, you know. It's kind of an hour twenty from Dublin, so it's not too bad. But um, I guess the tricky part for us was find, kind of finding um, accommodation for all these people in Longford. Um, but like, luckily, it was just ending COVID, and we went into a local ho hotel and zero bookings so <laughs> we were able to just book out the whole hotel um, and they were delighted obviously um so it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't actually an issue at all you know and because everyone was kind of living together we kind of got a real closeness going i think while making the film and everyone kind of really like we're all kind of quite good mates now today like from the experience so there was like a lot of benefits from it i think okay and i think i'll just ask all the panel have you ever found it has there ever been a difficulty of not being based in dublin um and did, how did cartoon saloon manage that or navigate that um i don't in certainly in my time it's it's never been an issue it's never been thought about at all i know um when i worked in visual in carlo I kept trying to persuade Cartoon Saloon to relocate to Carlo, <laughs> <laughs> which I feel guilty about now. <laughs> and Roisin, how do you manage? Because you would have clients in Dublin as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, I've when I started in 2019, so I had clients in Dublin and in Cork. And I was actually on the road about four days, two to Dublin and two to Cork. But I still wasn't inclined even then, just before COVID, so a little bit of luck. But I still just had the sense that we didn't need an office. I remember quite early on, one of the guys was like all buzzed about the work we were doing. He's like, I'm going to go down Dunleary Seafront and see if there's office space. And I was like, I just don't think. So, I, I mean, I have this thing about offices in their current form, which is that they're a bit like the compact disc 
So they're an outdated delivery format. <laughs> you know, if you're an outdated, like work no longer needs the office, therefore offices are going to change. You know, you're, you're only there if you're actually needed. So um, look, there's other things we need. I mean, there's a total lack of studio space all over the place. And I would love to really have more of a production hub you know, for commercial production down by Limerick, that is a bit more challenging for sure. Like it's easier, sometimes it's easier to get like somebody to hop in the car to a field in Galway than it is actually to tell them you're doing it in a studio. Like I, I said, I don't know if anyone else finds the same. It's a bit like, well then why couldn't you find somewhere in Dublin? But um, it hasn't been a barrier for sure. Okay. Yeah, um, not really. I mean, pre-pandemic, I feel there was like a lot less the Zooms were like a lot less accepted, you know, some way of meeting. So there was, it was, it could be a little bit taxing at times doing the bouncing between the two, depending on where you're working and stuff. But like recently, I don't think it's been an issue really at all because it's kind of been normalized just to to do it digitally if it's if it's not that big of a meeting or something like that. So that's really helped a lot, I think, in easing the time on the road. And where is it? Well, um, I, I had an experience last year of working for a, for a production company, and uh, the production was actually in um, North County, Dublin. So from Wicklow to North County, Dublin, every day uh, was awful, and I don't want to ever do it again. <laughs> uh, for the most part, when we're making our documentary films or or writing, we can do that from anywhere. That was the original reason why we decided to move to Ireland. We didn't have to be in New York City to make our films. We could be where we wanted to be and make our films. And so we chose to move to Ireland. And you're actually working with a company in New York at the moment now. I am, yeah. So I work with an organization called Girl Rising. I'm on a climate change initiative. Uh, so there's storytelling projects from around the world done by uh, climate leaders who are young climate activists. And so I talk to them on Zoom. I'm talking to people who are in uh, Nepal, India, Kenya, Uganda, uh, Chile, uh, and Costa Rica, to name a few of the places. Yeah. And the organization itself is entirely remote. So my colleagues are also around the world, in India, in Guatemala, in Kenya. And the leadership is in New York. So a lot of times we're in New York time, but they're also not going into an office. So this is the new office, this remote way of working. I think it's fantastic. It's great. And then I know myself, I, with Tile, I'm based in Maxford. One of my colleagues is in Dublin and the other one is in Manchester. And um, I've done pre-production on features remotely and we only get to be in the space together like just maybe four or five weeks out from production. So there's no reason why you can't do it that way. That's probably much better for the environment as well. <laughs> um, so I wondered, does anyone have any questions? I just think at this point, I can't actually see. If you want to put up your hand, if anyone has any questions or... Oh. Okay. Yeah, no questions online or anything. <laughs> um, oh, there's Stephen. Thanks, Fiona. I was interested to ask Ivan how does he intend to comp compete with um, Ardmore Studios in Wicklow, so close. 
Well, the, 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 there's competition in the marketplace and that's just a commercial reality. Um, you know, we, we think there is uh, such a growth in demand for content globally that, um, you know, the demand for studio space is continuing to rise, particularly in Ireland. Um, we will have a particular range of offers that um, maybe uh, would be special to Tara Studios. Um, for instance, we're, we're targeting a net zero uh, studio environment. We're looking at providing uh, the sort of digital techniques that we're all becoming so familiar with in the last two or three years, you, where you could do ADR in Los Angeles on something that was shot on the studio floor, you know, a day or two ago. So th those are, you know, um, things that we bring to the mix. But uh, to be honest, I'd be happy to see more studios in Ireland than Tara and Ardmore uh, because the demand is there. And I'm a great believer in the philosophy that all the boats go up on a rising tide. Absolutely. Um, I just have a question from online, um, and I think it's actually it's a great question. What could the government do to encourage even more regional growth? Ivan, could I start with you? you... Uh, I think the single biggest issue at the moment for the sector is training. Um, and, you know, it, it's great to see uh, initiatives coming forward. Um, but, you know, pulling those together in a coherent strand is important. Um, letting young people know that this is a sector where there are jobs and uh, where they can work um, in a variety of skills. One of, the, one of the amazing things about film and television is the range of skills that are needed to produce, uh, to produce the shows, to produce the films. Um, yeah, when I was at Pinewood, they uh, they made the uh, Hugh Jackman Les Miserables, and they were struggling to find baskets that fitted the period look of the film, because all of the baskets that are available at Dunn's stores are identical, and that didn't make sense. So they went out and hired basket makers. Now, no one thinks about that as being a skill in the film industry. But that's the, the diversity of uh, opportunity that is available in this sector. That's actually so true. And then that becomes a, a, a fixed member of crew. Suddenly you have the go-to experts and basket makers. And that's the there'll, there'll be a head of department in basket making. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and you were talking as well about the skill set for animation where you were saying like it, it you don't need to be good at art for animation. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I guess it's it's um, something that we think about quite a bit. We we get um, a lot of requests in for for talks and for career development um, sort of presentations. So, and we do feel like it's important to 
bring on that future generation. So um, we devise quite a lot of offerings that we can bring out to, to schools. And the approach that we take in that is that there are so many different paths. You know, there's everything from physics to accountancy to um, operations, facilities. It, it really... Uh, one aspect of animation absolutely is being able to draw, but you know all the rest of the supports that go around that and that actually bring that raw content uh, as a finished piece to an audience you know there there's such diversity in that so it's um it's really nice to be able to go into schools and and to kind of tell them you know you you can think about it differently it doesn't it doesn't just have to be the people doing art who th who think about this. There are indeed lots and lots of uh career opportunities in this sector, and I think that's only going to continue. And um, another question has just come in, and I think it's, it's important just in light of all of the different skill sets. What are the roles that most urgently need filling? I think we kind of know accountants are one of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's an urgent need for accountants. Yeah, for sure, accountants. Um, and, and there's um, a bit of time that's required for accountants to learn how you do accounting for productions because that's a, a very different thing uh, the legal side of it also um, uh, contracting licensing distribution all of that within the the kind of animation side of it i guess the specialisms because um, colleges don't turn out layout artists they'll turn out an, an animator, and that animator then has to learn the specifics about being a really good layout artist, but it's not like, you know, there are courses for posing specifically or layout or background, so it's, it's those kind of niche pieces, but colleges can't do that, so, so then it does fall back onto the sector to start to work out, well, how do we offer the opportunities for people to develop those skills and those specialisms? Great. Um, would anyone else have anything to say on roles that they feel most urgently need to be filled or well booking an editor at the moment is a real challenge yeah. and I, th I think actually a skilled editor will always it's an amazing skill to have it's like being a plumber or an electrician in our business the business might change but yeah so yeah and junior editors as well actually assistant editors are another thing yeah um um i i would think that you know, certainly all of those are required because, as I said, the demand is rising. But I think we've also got to be looking forward in terms of virtual production techniques mm. as well. Yeah. And that, that, that applies, you know, whilst our conversation today has been about film and television, don't ignore the computer game sector. Absolutely. Those, those skills are completely transferable. Um, I think we've a question here from Laura. Um, just to go back to the regional uplift, um, just my experience of the last two productions I've been working on have been mainly based in Bray and Dunleary. And still what I'm hearing from producers is that like the regional uplift itself of the 5% and now it's decreasing to like 3%, then 2% is still not enough for indigenous production, you know, for smaller based productions, like two million to five million productions to actually go in, you know, to, to, to be able to, 
to work in the regions. There's definitely a desire to do it because there's not because you know we're fighting over locations and you know like there's not enough locations. Sometimes like you're, you're <laughs> there's a crossover in locations in in Dunleary and Bray at the moment. So it's so I mean, what do you think? What can local county councils? What can the government do? I suppose in order to try to incentivize a little bit more for for maybe Dublin-based production companies to film in the regions. Do you guys think? I've got no, no. idea. <laughs> I think I, I I wonder is that nearly too big an ask? In some ways, like actually, it's about getting the you know as much as what we're talking about here is getting more like regionalized production hubs kind of alive, whether that's uh, Cork or Limerick or whatever. And if they are Galway, whatever, you know, and if there's kind of a buzz around them, then you might see the, it's all word of mouth, isn't it? In our business about like, oh, they did that. They did it for this. And this is why it worked. I think on a case by case basis, it's going to be quite a challenge to be the first. That's yeah, I guess it's just difficult to be in Wexford and then have skilled crew in Wexford. You're really bringing all the crew down from Dublin and Wicklow in order yeah. to, to fill that spot. So, I think that's until we have skilled crew here and that's about what, what we're trying what, to do. Yeah. yeah, and actually I just have a, it's kind of a question slash comment in from Cronogue Media here who's saying, can existing small companies in the film space be encouraged to help grow the community in rural Ireland? And I think the answer is yes, if they're given the proper supports, which is, I think, what's beginning to happen here. Uh, would anyone else have any... Like, Robert, how do you find it? How do I find the... Like, repeat? how would you find... Like, what kind of supports would you think Harp Media would need to have in order yeah. to grow the uh, the industry like, in Longford? Yeah, as you are saying there, um, like, I mean, something like the rap fund they have out west is incredible because it just gives you that little bit that can really help, especially if you're trying to make that kind of 1.72 million film or something like that. That chunk can be really pivotal in getting that together. So like I've always said, uh, I think it'd be great if some other counties bounded together in di the different regions and there was that option and it wasn't just set out to, to the West. Because, um, you know, that is an argument that's it's, it's tricky for, say, us if we want to shoot in Longford on our next one when we're moving up into a bigger budget and, you know, there's more money elsewhere and it kind of puts you at a little bit of a disadvantage trying to shoot it there because there's more elsewhere. Um, so yeah, I think there does need to be kind of, that has to be considered in terms of if you're going to support these regions, you know, that they have to be on an even keel with the other ones. If So I'd love to see it done here and in, this, in the Midlands as well. And can I just ask Ivan actually, because I'm just interested to know, as part of the studios, have you considered, like accommodation must be a consideration for you. Is that, are you finding that difficult in Wexford or do you think that's, is, is Tara Studios setting up some kind of accommodation for, um, for filmmakers that are coming in and crews that are coming in or is that something that you think the county need to address a little? Uh, I, I think your question is about hotel accommodation. Um, if, if I've understood it correctly, and I think one of the advantages that we have in North Wexford is, is um, you know, it's very close to the motorway. Tara Studio is very close to the motorway network, so it's a relatively easy commute. Um, I, I, I don't think Tara is well geared to, um, you know, become hotel keepers. Um, but you know, to, to, an, to an earlier point on, on the regional. Uh, uplift, 
I think we've all suffered from the fact that the first two years of that was kind of taken away from us because of COVID. Um, and that, that's just a great shame. So we've kind of not had the opportunity to show the benefit of that uplift um, in, in that sense. But I'd also emphasize that the way the, the uplift works is not everything has to be done in the regions. There's still the opportunity to do a fair amount of the shoot in Dublin um, or, or in Wicklow. So, I mean, that, that was a, a very clever um, structure within the uplift program. Uh, and so, you know, I think that those have all got to be borne in mind. And, I, you know, for particular productions, the regions may not be suitable, and I get that. Um, but I think, you know, as, as the skill base grows, as the studios grow, as the kind of uh, familiarity with uh, filming in North Wexford grows, um, th that programme will become uh, even more productive going forward. Great. I think... Oh, Marissa, did you have yeah, something? I just wanted to, to bring up uh, something. We, uh, we talk a lot about the training hubs and, and the newly created training hubs, for especially for young people. And, and that would be close, something close to my heart, having uh, worked with a lot of students and taught filmmaking uh, classes here. Uh, but we also should consider as well, we're talking about uh, jobs like accounting or um, other jobs where people can retrain, adults can retrain, and that is so much cheaper to do that retraining and have those people come right into, into work and, and understand what a working culture is like uh, because they've been in the working culture for how many years. Uh, and bringing that up regionally, I think, is, is going to be part of the answer to this. That's a really great point. Yeah. Second career. Second career. So I think um, I'm going to wrap it up here, unless does anyone have one more question here in the audience? Or? Oh, Catherine's running up the stairs. Hi, um, I'm Alison, I'm a writer. I'm just picking up on what Marissa said there about the retraining. Um, a lot of the opportunities for film and television, they, the opportunities ask for a TV credit or, or film credit. So I was just wondering from the producers, what is a, a way around that for somebody who has, say, a lot of writing experience but may not actually have a feature length credit or something like that? I don't think it necessarily needs to be a feature length credit. I think maybe start with a short um, and find local filmmakers and try and make it happen yourself. I think um, it's, we all sort of need to do our time sometimes and do something like get together a gang of friends and make something and get that out to festivals, go to festivals, meet other fil filmmakers. It's about building up a network. Um, not just here in Wexford, but just going out to festivals. And I know that sounds easier said than done, but I think that that's what, what you kind of need to, to do. Um, it's just try and put yourself somewhere where you can get make your own opportunity. Um, I could probably talk to you a little bit better about it afterwards if that was okay, but it is possible. Um, would anyone else have any comments on that? That's a great answer, really. 
Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, and if you're not already um, registered on Screen Skills Ireland or Screen Ireland, the, tr the training facility, register and do those courses because they're the best way to network. The, you're meeting your peers, you're meeting trainers who, um, who are not just teachers, they're people working within the industry. So start building your network from there. Um, so just before I wrap up, um, I just want to say a big, huge thanks to uh, Anne, Roisin, Robert, Marissa and Ivan. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, you've been absolutely amazing. And... This event was made possible with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. If you would like to support the work we do, join now at wft.ie.